Good evening, everyone. What a wonderful song. Every time I, I listen to Amazing Grace, it's like it's just happening anew in my life. Such a beautiful song. And I trust it ministers to you as well. I would like to start this, this evening by asking you a question. And the question is, how many of you were here when Brother David Anson spoke on authority, the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Yeah, really good, really good. I thought I won't have to even allude to it at all, but I could see some answer not help. Uh, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so many people were here, thank God. Um, as a student of political science, the concept of authority resonated with me. And all through his sermon, I was thinking that why would Jesus Christ be so powerful, yet so lowly? I couldn't put, I was just, it's, um, it's mind-boggling to see what he has to say about Jesus Christ, the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I'm looking at that as he will continue to speak vis-a-vis -vis the meekness, the character of Jesus Christ. How do you bring the two together? It's like having a coin. On, the, on one side we have the authority, the powerful, the power of Jesus Christ. And on the other side, we have the meekness of Jesus Christ. How is that possible? How can you be powerful yet so lowly, yet so meek, yet so gentle? So I gave it a thought. I said, okay, let me look into it. What makes him that great? And I found the more I study that what meekness is going to do to Jesus Christ, it brought Jesus Christ more and more closer to his mission. Without meekness, Christ wouldn't have fulfilled the mission that he has set for himself to achieve, to pay the penalty of sin for you and for me. So I said, let me look into it. What is authority? There is a German philosopher. His name is Max Weber. It's W-E-B-E-R, but it's pronounced Weber. He spent a lot of time to amplify the word, the concept of authority. And um, what he focused majorly was where is your authority derived from? And that is part of what I'm going to be looking at tonight. But more essentially, I want you to understand one thing, that the character of Jesus Christ with his meekness is what I'm going to talk about this evening. We all can learn from that. And even as your speaker tonight, I think I will benefit more from this, from this character. And that is what I really want to point you to, the character of Jesus Christ, which is meekness. One person said that character is, a, is, a, is an attitude. That if you don't have good attitude, you are like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere. Unless your character, the flat tire is pumped 
your attitude is changed, you might be missing out from something. So Jesus wants us to learn from his character tonight. And as I'm speaking to you, I'm pointing one finger to you, and I want you to believe that four other fingers is pointing to me as well. So I will let you know what I have for you concerning meekness of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here once again. We thank you that you are here with us because your word says where two, three people are gathered, you are here with them. I pray that you will speak through me and that you will devoid me of myself so that I will speak with clarity to your people. And I pray that above it all, Lord, your children will be encouraged greatly and their life will be impacted by the exceptionary life that you have lived for us to copy. Thank you, Lord, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Where did Jesus get his authority from? So many kingdoms and powers, militaries, kings, queens, possess power and authority. But according to Max Weber, your, where is your authority come from? So Weber separated authority from power. And the difference between power and authority, he said, is legitimacy. So where is your power wielded from? If you are a king, perhaps your power comes from the barrel of God. You can wield it the way you want. But with Jesus Christ, I want you to see how his authority is emanated. Where does his authority emanate from? If you would turn your Bible to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. I was listening to Brother Clyde one, one day, and uh, he categorized this as the declaration by John the Baptist. And God himself, speaking through the John the Baptist, declared Jesus Christ's authority. And I want you to see where Jesus Christ's authority come from. Matthew 3, verse 16 said, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. 17 says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my, this is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. God is declaring Jesus Christ, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. That is an authority. And I think invariably he's telling you, if you say Abraham is your father, I, and I am the God of Abraham, and this is my son, listen to him. God is declaring Jesus Christ, and I'm thinking this is where God's authority comes from. It's from the Father. The word of God and the will of the Heavenly Father declare Jesus Christ's authority. And in John chapter 1, verse 32, I think it's another way of just telling you, John was testifying here, verse 32, he said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven, as a dove and remained on him 
and I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 34, John declared that I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. That's authority. And that that authority is wielded in the power and the will of God. The God declared him as the man of authority. Then I looked into some of the past scriptures and prophecies that spoke about God's authority, Christ's authority. Where can we find them? Brother David went you know, through, the, through the scriptures, but I just want to point some of these things to you. And I, I classify them as the past, the present, and the future. So that you would know that the authority of Jesus Christ did not just happen in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It is even in the future. We will see it even in Revelations. To tell you that he is king and his authority endured forever. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. And that's the prophecy concerning his authority. Genesis 3.15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, speaking to his power and authority, and you shall bruise his ear. That's authority there. He shall bruise your head. And then there are some other scriptures in the Old Testament that alluded to his kingship. You will all agree with me that when you have a king, he must have power and authority. And there are so many we have in Isaiah 53 verse 5. No, Jeremiah 23 verse 6 says, Salvation will come as a result of his kingship. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh out to thee, he is just, and having salvation lowly and riding upon a hearse, and upon a coat, the bow of an ass. John chapter 1, verse 49 says, Nathanael answered and said unto Jesus, unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. So it is recognized that Jesus Christ is king. If you are a king, you must have power and you must have authority. And in so many other ways, when Jesus was with us in person, even his disciples, they don't even call him by name Jesus Christ. We see him being referred to as master, Lord, Rabbi, because this goes with authority, and they wouldn't even dare call him by name, Jesus Christ. John the Baptist would even go to the extent to say that I am unworthy to lose his thunder. And there are some other instances where you know, the Bible tells us about God's authority. 
and how it was demonstrated or, you know, or depicted. Like in, if you go to Luke chapter 4, from 35 to 36, we read about how Jesus Christ asked the demon to come out of a man because he was possessed by demon. God just told him, he said, be quiet, come out of him. You must be a man of authority to be able to command a demon to come out of a man. But it happened. That is authority. In Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, there is another incident where Jesus calmed the wind. It's a story we are all familiar with. When Jesus Christ was in the boat, and the boat was about to capsize, and he spoke, and he told the wind, he said, be, be still. That is the man of authority. I just highlight some of these instances to tell you that Jesus Christ is a man of authority. What about the future? Even in Revelation, when the question, Revelation chapter 5, if we read from verse 8 to 10, the question is asked, who is worthy to open this scroll and to lose its seal? No one until they said that Jesus Christ, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth. Only God is worthy to open the scroll and to lose the seal. Then what is meekness? If I've told you about authority, what is meekness? In short, meekness is described as strength in control, which is almost the opposite of authority. You have the authority, but you do not want to use it. The beauty of power, how many times have you heard that, that the beauty of power is in not using it. Some of us have kids, and sometimes, you know, you will get that call that your son or your daughter has misbehaved, and you can't wait to get home and just do something. Can you imagine getting home and your son is expecting that daddy's just going to come down on me so badly, and then you decided not to do anything? Then he's wondering, when is he going to call me in? One day is gone, second day is gone, third day. That is not looking, that is not even thinking. About. He's praying that God, I'm, I'm looking for the appropriate time and the appropriate word so that I will be able to do the talk to my son in a way that you will want me to talk to him. That is strength in control. And this is the character that is so present with Jesus Christ, even though he's so powerful. He has strength in his control. And we're going to see it, how Christ demonstrates that character, that attitude. And it bestows on us to emulate him so that we can practice this virtue as well. Meekness is strength in control. Why would Jesus allow his accuser to have their way? Why will he permit crucifixion? Just as we have scriptures that talks about authority, 
we do have scriptures and prophecy that talks about Christ's meekness as well. In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7, the book of Isaiah 53 verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silence. So he opened not his mouth. This is talking about Jesus Christ's character, the meekness. Even though he was being oppressed, even though he was afflicted, because of you and me, he did not revolt. He did not open his mouth. Psalm 22, verse 6 to 8 says, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. For those who seize me ridiculed me, they shoot out their lip, they shake their head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue himself. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. This is talking about Christ's meekness as well. He trusted in, Jesus, in God. He trusted in his Father. Let him deliver him now. Does it mean that God doesn't have the power to deliver himself? No. But because, so that the scripture may be fulfilled, he has to put his strength in control. So meekness is a, is a, is a huge virtue. And we can learn from the master himself. I came up with another. I thought, I, I don't think I'm, I'm not even changing my PowerPoint. <laughs> I can see here that maybe Lincoln is doing that for me here, so I assume that he's doing that as well on the. All right. And pardon me, I, 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 when I was putting, when I did it, when I asked Lincoln to help me do the PowerPoint, there was a mistake that I couldn't correct until I saw him this evening. I said, Lincoln, I said, it shouldn't have been an effective way. I said, I wanted to talk about two effective ways, not an effective way. I, I will be talking about two, two things, not one thing. Two effective way or condition of proving or measuring meekness. I call it a litmus test for meekness. And we can see that in Jesus Christ. I, I come up with two conditions that must exist under which you can say for sure that as Christians, this person has the virtue of meekness. One of them is position. You cannot proudly say that you are meek unless you, are, you have a position and you are tested by that position. So we are going to see that all the power, it could be a status, it could be academic, it could be, it could be wealth. This attribute comes out when you are elevated. And as we are going to see, Jesus Christ is elevated. He is in a situation where he could have this tell of, he could have displayed that he has no meekness. Yet being powerful, he is still male. If you would like, turn, to, turn with me to the book of John, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1. And I want to show you the position of Jesus Christ. 
John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the world, and the world was with God, and the world was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 1 and 2. Someone succinctly put it together, God, that God is equal with, Jesus is equal with God. He, he is essentially God, and he, he is eternal. What position could be greater than that? When one is equal with God, he, he is equally eternal, and is essentially God. That's the powerful elevation. And Jesus Christ is that person, is a deity. His authority is divine. His authority is not based on charismatic. He's not based on democratic institution. He's not based on traditional kinship. It is divine. And yet we see Jesus Christ in this elevated position, and yet he's so lowly and he's gentle. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 6 says, Who, being in the form of God, did not consider his robbery to be equal with God. G Christ is not using this, even though he is, has, is a being, being in form of God, is not considered it a robbery to be equal with God. There is no, there's no gain saying. He's not taking advantage of that. How many people in this work are you turned to who are privileged and who have good position and status? And it wouldn't take you time to see how the personal pronoun will be coming out from their mouth. I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. We hope, I work in an environment where you, you meet with people in order to do the annual review with them. And then you can, just one or two sentences into saying, why are you here? And you begin to see what they have done. I have done this, I have done that, I accomplished this, I accomplished that. You could see, you could tell the pomposity coming out of people. If, you know, and I know many of you will have experienced some people, someone who cannot stop talking about himself. Perhaps we have a president who is full of that too. But this is what, this is what I'm talking about. Jesus Christ, even though being in the form of God, being in the form of God, he will not consider it as an advantage. And we are told that in verse 7, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, but made himself of no reputation. You can see the meekness here. Taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. This is the scripture talking about Christ's meekness. Even though he found himself in such an elevated position, he called with God, he would not take advantage of that. He became humbled, we are told, and became obedient even to the point of death. That is Jesus Christ. And this is what I want to talk about this evening. The meekness, the character of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes in the sermon, people will come and tell us what we need to do. 
how we are supposed to be, let the mind, you know, these, these, these things be in, in, in us as well because they were in Jesus Christ. And meekness is one of the things as we are going to see towards the end of this sermon, that meekness is something as an attitude that we have to incorporate into our, into our lifestyle. The second one is um, after the position of power, we have trials. Another effective way for you to know if a person is milk is when they are in trial, when they are in persecution, when there is trouble, when there is adversity. Oftentimes, you know, in my, they will say that character is like a smoke. You can't hide it. It wouldn't take long for it to come out of, for people to see who you are. So it's meekness in trials, in persecution, and in adversity. And we're going to look at Jesus' example, how he handled this situation. Good enough this morning, Brother Stephen was able to teach us about the power of Jesus Christ in us. Even when we go through adversity, he was able to so that we receive comfort from Jesus Christ to see us through all these persecutions and adversity so that we can come victorious. But what about our attitude during this persecution? What about our attitude during these trials? And we are going to see how Jesus behaved. But, and the example I came up with is when Jesus was being tried in the, in the court, the kangaroo court. If you would like, turn your Bible to the book of John, John 18, 36. And I want to show you how Jesus Christ comported himself even in tribulation, even in trial, when he was being persecuted. He was calm. He was unconquered. John 18, 36. When Jesus was asked, are you the king of Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? Look at what he says. He says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servant fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. You can see here, I titled it Jesus' Submission. His submission, even in trial, he became so lowly and gentle, even in adversity. It's worthy of emulation because even though he, he knew his life is at stake here and Jesus was answering questions even with lowly mind and even being gentle. In John chapter 18, verse 8, we see another circumstance when he was asking, when they came to arrest him and he had Jesus asked them, who are you seeking? John 18, 8. Jesus answered them, I told you I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the word Jesus has spoken will come true. He had said in verse in John 6:39, he said, I have not lost anyone God has given me. He surrendered himself and he let the disciple go their way. That is Jesus Christ. That is meekness being displayed here 
even when he was being, he, when he was about to be arrested. He didn't lose confidence. He didn't lose his thoughts. He was unconquered. Yet even in trial, God is so milk. We see another instance in John 18, 23, when the high priest was asking Jesus Christ to talk about his disciple and his doctrines. And Jesus Christ replied in verse 23, and he said, have I said something wrong? And I want you, you know, I try to put myself in, the, in Jesus' situation and circumstance, and I'm trying to measure his speech. How he's conveying this speech, how he, what he's saying and how he's saying it. He's asking, he's talking to the high priest here, and he said, have I said any, something wrong? Jesus replied, if I have, then tell everyone what it was. But if I spoke the truth, why did you hit me? You can see how Jesus Christ is even comporting himself even in this difficult circumstance. And I think it's what is what emulation too. Another thing that I want to consider is the Christ, the milk, and the lowly. And this, I come up with some examples in, in, in the scripture to show you about the character of Jesus Christ when he was before the Pilots. And this, some of them I've referred to you, you can find it in Hebrews 7, chapter 26. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. Then in Matthew 11, verse 25 to 30, when Jesus was telling people to come unto me, he said, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. Matthew 11, verse 28, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from him, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ himself referenced another example when he was talking about John the Baptist, the meekness of John the Baptist, when the Bapti John, the, John the Baptist would tell people about Jesus Christ, he was he, he, he was he was asked, "Are you are you the Messiah? Are you are you Christ?" But he wouldn't lie. He, he told them the truth, and Jesus Christ bear witness about that. And Jesus said, "You know, assuredly I say unto you." Among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. And this is because John the Baptist says in John 3, verse 30, John testified of Jesus Christ. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. That is humility. And Jesus Christ testified that that is meekness as well. So in rounding up, I came up with three points in order to tell you what we should do with meekness. Three points. And the first thing I want us to know about the character of Jesus Christ, which is made, is the Jesus is so meek because of his substitution and sacrifice. Jesus Christ became so meek so that substitution and sacrifice can be possible. 
meekness does to Jesus Christ, he brought him to accomplish his mission. Otherwise, if, I'm so, if he's so powerful, he could have walked in between them just when he was about to be thrown out of the city when he declared that today the scripture is fulfilled in your presence. And they were going to throw him just overboard, the head of the city, and he walked just within them and they couldn't touch him. The same way he could have demonstrated that power and he would not be arrested. But because of his mission, Substitution and sacrifice. Christ has to re you know, restrict his power. He has to put his authority in control in order for that to be possible. The Bible tells us that Christ is manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. If that is going to be achieved, if it's manifested to take away our sin, he has to willingly surrender himself in order for that to be possible. So for substitution and sacrifice, meekness makes it possible for Christ to be willing to go to cross for you and for me. That is one point that I want you to know. The book of Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, is suffering crucifixion and agony and pain made propitiation for the sins of everyone in the, in the world. He was beaten, wounded, and mocked. Prophet Isaiah saw him as the lamb come to bear the iniquities and punishment of us all. The Lord laid upon him the iniquity of all. And in, in verse 5, Isaiah 53, verse 5, say we were told that because, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. It was something he did as a substitute for the sinner. And you know what? He did that for you, and he did that for me. That's the first point I want you to know, that Christ, Christ's meekness made him to fulfill it's substitution and sacrifice. The second point is that meekness is required for the scriptures to be fulfilled. I was, I was thinking about Joseph's story. We're all familiar with the story of Joseph. Joseph. Joseph's victory was won in the famine. Christ's victory was won on the cross through by his meekness. Joseph's victory was won by the famine. He became prominent just because of the situation that God has made possible. And God used him to tell Pharaoh that this is what it is. So he became prominent just in the struggle. His struggle threw him into limelight. So also, Jesus Christ's victory is won on the cross because of Christ's meekness. I cannot foresee a situation where Christ will use his power and then accomplish his goal. So meekness really drives Christ to achieve his power. Even though he is so powerful and suffering, 
He was willing to go all the way to the cross, despising the shame. Christ will put his strength in control in order to accomplish his mission. And I, wa I, wa I, I, and I was thinking again, I said, will you for one second consider why Jesus Christ would choose Judas Iscariot as his disciple? If he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful and he knew that Jesus, Judas Iscariot was going to betray him, yet he chose him. He chose him because he knew that that has to pave way for his meekness, for his arrest, and for his death. It's not because Jesus Christ did not know that Judas Iscariot was going to be. As a matter of fact, the Bible supports it. If you turn your Bible to the book of John, chapter 18, verse 32. The Bible says that, that the saying of Jesus Christ might be fulfilled, which is poor, signifying what death he should die. Jesus knew and had predicted what was coming. John 13, 18 said, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know who I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. That means Christ is aware, but he has to allow it because that would do much to his mission. And that is the second point. So that the scripture will be fulfilled, Christ must be meek. He has to be humble. It's part of his character to be gentle and to be so lowly. And the third point is the character and the attitude of Jesus Christ. Meekness as the character and the attitude of Jesus Christ. And this is where it relates to you and relates to me as well. The other time we examined Philippians chapter 5 and we read from 2, I will encourage you to read from 2, verse 2 to 11. Christ is making, the scripture is making this commandment that let this mind also be in you. If this is what, this, if this is who Christ is, meek, lowly, gentle, you ought to be that also. That's what the scripture is telling us tonight. It's a let this mind also be in you. And I came up with all that. If you turn your Bible to the book of Colossians chapter 3, reading from 12 to 15. The character of the new man. Colossians 3, 12 to 15. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You can see we have now been enjoined. We are in your Christ, the scripture is imploring us, Christ is imploring us that we should put on the same character that is found in Jesus Christ, that we should be meek. I think the other time, bro, you may preach on KF, is it KFG? 
<laughs> okay, kindness, yeah, forgiving and tender mercy. KFD, I just say we should include meekness into it as well. Christ wants us. It's a good character that we find in Jesus Christ. And is beseeching us as well that let this character also be in you because it's found in Jesus Christ as well. And we see that even in Philippians, it said, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery or he called with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, what did he do? Christ humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Meekness is an important thing. It's a good attitude that all of us has to imbibe. And we will go as Christians, if anyone unbeliever sees us that we are so meek and lowly and gentle, that will speak so much about our character. And it will draw people, unbelievers, into onto us and so that we can become a vessel through which we can share the gospel. There are so many people that think that you you possess certain power. In my work in my workplace, a lot of people see you and they know that you make decisions. And that, you know, but if you do not go around to demonstrate that you are meek and that you are gentle, you will be far removed from the people you are serving. You will be far removed from the people that you are supposed to reach. But if we are kind, gentle, lowly, meek, we will draw people onto ourselves and we will be able to minister to them. We will be able to spread the gospel unto them. This evening, what I just want to talk about is so simple. It is about the meekness of Jesus Christ. And I think you also will wonder, you will, you, you, you will be marvel that how can a God who is so powerful yet will be so meek and lowly? Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to speak concerning your meekness. Lord, there are so many, in the bi- so many things in the Bible that, that I do not understand, but I believe it all. And I pray that, Lord Almighty, the way you have been ex- al- allowed your word to go out, I pray that the Holy Spirit will walk in every one of us that are here present, so that we will not only be the hearers of the word, but the effective listener and doers of this word. You have beseeched us to inculcate, to to practice meekness. And so we pray that you will grant us the grace to be able to do that, so that we will be able to draw men unto ourselves and we will be able to minister your words to them. Thank you for the opportunity. And I pray that even this week as we go home, everyone that is here represented, for those that are unable to come, I pray that, Lord, you will meet every one of us at the point of our needs. In all our struggle, be it health, be it finances, job, we pray that, Lord Almighty, you will bless every one of us. All of us have questions. We have have trials. We have adversities. We have things that we want. But we pray that, Lord, you will give us the grace to be able to live a life that is pleasing and honorable to you. 
Thank you, God, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.